You're listening to The Patriot Cause with Bud Cornwall, United States Marine Corps, retired standing guard on the Wall of Freedom. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land, we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on earth. The price for this freedom at times has been high, but we have never been unwilling to pay that price. Dear Mercis de Vogadie, thank God it's Friday. This is the Gunny, and I am a Cajun at heart. I grew up in the great country of Louisiana back before the Democrats took it over, and I grew up hard, great mother, not so good dad, but that's okay, but she took care of us, she made sure that we had the things that were necessary to be successful, to go to school, and to be something in our lives, and because of her and another person, Lieutenant Colonel Retired Robert B. Miller, I became a man by the time I was 18 years old. And I joined the Marine Corps and spent 20 years of my life thinking I understood how the world was. However, I had the fortune to travel across this world and realize Every single time I left this soil in America that I wanted to come back. I wanted to be back home. There's a reason behind that is because America is great, not just here, but across the globe. Many, many people that I've run into throughout my adventures in the Marine Corps wanted to come to America because they knew that we were free and we didn't have tyrants running us. 
We didn't have a government that was so corrupt at the time that they were the elitists and the rest of us are deplorables. So in their mind, I grew up as a deplorable. According to them, a waste of human flesh because I'm not going to Harvard or whatever whatever their reason is. It's irrelevant what their reason is. The point is America is the greatest country on the planet and we can celebrate Friday today knowing that we worked hard throughout the week we earned our paycheck and we can relax for a couple days watch some ball games be with the family and not have to worry about tyranny on the top of us today Listen to what I'm telling you today. We don't have to worry about it. But it's coming. And it will be here very, very, very soon. If things don't change. But that's not what I'm going to talk about. What I want to talk about is something that a lot of veterans will not do. Is talk about their time and what they experienced in the service. So that's what I want to spend this time with you is to give you some of my stories. I'm not going to give you the bad ones, but I'm going to give you some absolutely wonderful experiences that I had in the Marine Corps, specifically when I went to Somalia. Hell on earth. I'm telling you, that place is desolate as desolate can get. And I was there in 1993, and I'm going to tell you about my experience in Somalia. At the time, I was stationed in Tustin, California, at the Marine Corps base there. And Tustin has these gigantic blimp hangars. Remember the blimps? Well, this is where a lot of the blimps were held. In Tustin. So they got these two gigantic hangars. I think there's one left because of historical reasons, but the base has left. There's no longer a Marine base there, but it was when I was there in 1993. And we got told or orders that we're going to deploy to Somalia. I didn't even know where the hell Somalia was, much less the fact that I'm going to go spend time there. And, of course, we were brief and told about where we're going, how the culture is, what we can and can't do according to their regulations or their diets, all that stuff, even before we left. So we prepared ourselves. We got new equipment, new uniforms, all the things that we need to be successful when we go in country in this, quote, war zone. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to start from when I got on the, quote, airplane to go to Somalia. Now, the airplane that I got on was an Air Force C-5 cargo plane. It's the largest 
cargo plane that America has. And I was an avionics technician. So they put all our equipment, all our vans, everything in the bottom of this plane. And then we had to sit up the top of the plane. But it wasn't the front of the plane. The seating area for the passengers was in the back of the plane. Not in the cargo bay, but above it. And it was very similar to a regular airplane that you fly every day. You know, had the seats and all that kind of stuff. But the difference was they were pointing backwards. So we were actually looking at the back of the plane. There's no windows in the area where we're at. So we're just kind of looking at the back of it. And this is how we flew. So we flew from El Toro, California, which is near Tustin, the first day. And we flew to South Carolina. And we landed in South Carolina. And the goal was to do the maintenance on the plane, get it refueled and everything. They took us off the plane. They put us in a barracks. And then the next morning, we got back on the plane and we're headed to Somalia. So it takes a lot of hours to take a big plane like that and all that cargo and all that weight from South Carolina to Africa, specifically the east side of Africa, all almost all the way across the planet. So as we're going along, that airplane had to be refueled. So the Air Force brought refuel tankers in and they would connect to the airplane to put new fuel in it so it didn't have to land to make it to where it was going. And fortunately, I got a chance to go up to where the pilots were and watch this plane get refueled, which I think was amazing, technology and how they connect. So we got new fuel and didn't have to land and we're continuing. 18 hours later, we're landing in Addis Ababia, Ethiopia. Yes, we're not even at Somalia yet. And the reason that we're landing there is because we have maintenance issues that need to be taken care of. And they had a Air Force contingency there with maintenance and people that could take care of the airplane before we got to Mogadishu, Somalia. So we landed there. And it was broad daylight. So we got out of the airplane. They tell us, get out. We're going to fix the plane. And you guys are going to be taken to the Addis Ababa Hilton. Woohoo! We're going to a fancy hotel called the Hilton. As... We get out of the airplane, and we're still in uniform. These buses come by to pick us up, and there's probably about 60 of us or so. And so they put us on these buses, and I tell you what, looking at the bus, you're amazed that the thing can even still run. They had holes and rust, and the tires were all beat up, and I'm going, we got to ride in this thing? Addis Ababa, Ethiopia. That's all I have to say. What's neat is the first thing I learned is as soon as we went out the gate, 
in Ethiopia, they had vendors sitting outside the gate, I guess assuming that Americans or anybody that landed in that airport would see what they're selling. Let me tell you what they were selling. They had these tarps laid on the ground next to the road, which is a dirt road, by the way. And on that tarp was buffalo cut up. The meat was exposed to the air, wasn't wrapped up or nothing. Flies everywhere. And they were selling this meat on the side of the road outside of this airport. And that was the first actual understanding that I don't think I'm in Kansas anymore, much less Louisiana. So as we were going along, we get to the hotel and we start checking in. And what we find out is there's signs on the door as you walk in that says, do not drink the water at the Hilton Hotel. Think about that. And at the time, it was January, January the 6th to be exact. And that is, by the way, the Eastern Christians Day to celebrate the new year. And so we were there during that time frame. And they had all these Ethiopians, hundreds of them, in the hotel. And if you've never been to Africa, a lot of these people only bathe once or twice a week, if that. And the smell was absolutely incredible compared to what how we are. We get a bath every day. And it actually makes, makes you think that these people are lesser, but they're not. It's just how their lifestyle is. But the smell was terrible. But what was neat is when we did meet these Ethiopians, they were very nice, very comfortable with us. And we were comfortable with them, shared stories. They could speak English. And then we got back, you know, went in our hotel room. The next morning when I woke up to get ready to go, to get back on the airplane, I wanted to take a shower. So I go in the bathroom. I turn the shower on. And the water is brown. It is Mississippi mud brown. Not like almost brown. It is absolutely dark colored water. And I'm going, there is no way I'm going to take a bath or a shower in that crap. So, well, I guess I turned into a Ethiopian Somalian overnight because I did not take a shower after basically 24 hours or so of flying on an airplane. Wasn't smelling too good, but it was better than getting in that freaking dirty water, if you know what I mean. So we finally get back, we get on the airplane, and we take off, and we land in Somalia. When I get to Somalia, we eventually make it to our tents, and there we are. As an electronics Marine, I'm still a Marine, but I do electronic stuff, but I'm still armed because every Marine is a fighting Marine and we have to do the things that all Marines do, whether you're a grunt, whether you're in the Rangers, not the Rangers, but the, the special forces of the Marine Corps, whether you're a supply person, whether you're a communication radio guy, 
you're still a Marine. And you still have to have a weapon and you still have to be involved, if necessary, in defense of using those weapons. So the very first day when I dropped off my sea bag to go to my tent, a Lance Corporal, which is an E3, came up to me. I was an E6 at the time. He was designated to pick me up, put me in this Hummer, take me back, drop my bags off and then take me to dinner that night or chow hall. Well, the Mogadishu airport at the time in January 7th was still not set up totally to take care of all these Marines. So we had to leave the airport in Mogadishu and go to the port that the army had set up. And they had a chow hall there, restaurant for you civilian folks. So we had to drive from there to the chow hall at the port. And at the time, all I had was a 9mm pistol. I didn't have a rifle. I was a staff NCO, but that's okay. It was my weapon. So we get in the, the, the Hummer. And we start leaving to go out. We get to the gate to leave the base. The Lance Corporal reaches over, grabs his rifle, locks and loads it. Puts a round in the chamber, puts it on safe, puts it back in the rack in the Hummer. And he's looking at me. He goes, are you going to load your weapon, Staff Sergeant? I'm like, I guess. He says, outside that gate is the enemy. And we have to be armed to go to the port. I was like, that's my first experience of understanding that I may actually die in combat in a country that I didn't want to be there in the first place. So what happened was I loaded my weapon. We went, started driving down the road, and then I realized exactly what's happening. You had kids crapping in the street. You had people all over the place. And you never know. You, you never knew that it's possible that the enemy is ingrained in the citizens and you would never know it. Anyway, so we made it to the port. We made it back to the base afterwards safely. No incidents, which was great. So I'm thankful for that. But that was my first day in Somalia. And by the way, it was in Africa. And get this, it was raining of all things. It was raining. So we made it back. Made it back to the tent unpacked my stuff, made my bed, all that stuff that is necessary to have a semi-comfortable life, sleeping on a cot in 110 degrees, no fan, no air condition, none of that stuff. But, hey, you make do. So we're going to take a break. When I get back, I'm going to finish this story with, again, some more experiences in Somalia, which is absolutely going to blow your mind i seen things there and i'm not talking about combat things i've seen that too but i'm talking about how people live there and and what it looked like just absolutely shocked me thinking how in the world can anybody live in a situation like that so we'll be right back
Stop eating your bonbons and dance to the live absolute music that you just heard about Jody Blonde. Well, you're dead inside. That is my favorite song of all time from Louisiana. I've heard it a million times and I can hear it over and over again. Jody Blonde, Jody B. Jody Blonde, my Sheputy, how can you not have a Friday enjoying this great music that just gets in your heart and makes you want to dance? That's what it does with me. That's why I was so glad to come back from Somalia and get back to America because you're not going to hear Jody Blonde in Somalia ever, ever. Now you understand what you have and the freedoms that you have. Simple, simple things in life that these people across the globe do not have. Why not? Because of the corrupt heart and minds of men that want to control them and have money and power instead of freedom. 
That's what the founding fathers discovered, and that's why they created America. Now you know, as Paul Harvey would say, the rest of the story. So let's go back to Somalia. Tell you another story. Well, really not a story, it's the truth. Marines are Marines. It doesn't matter, like I said before, whatever job you have, you may be involved in a combat situation and be put in to a support organization to support combat and bullets flying. I was put in that situation. Every Marine is a Marine first, and then their whatever job is, is second. So when we came into country, we were briefed by a colonel, and that colonel told us, you're in a combat zone. And of course, he said what you can and can't do and the rules of engagement, all that. But the bottom line is you have to defend yourself if you're being attacked. So we were put in supporting a convoy, a basically a group of vehicles to go to the U.S. Embassy in Somalia from the airport. And it was our turn, it was my unit's turn to protect that convoy. So we got our weapons, locked and load, put everybody in the Jeeps and the Hummers and the trucks to bring the general that had to brief the big guys at the U.S. Embassy. And as we're going along, we have to go through town, through Mogadishu, through that area, and we got to see how these people live. Now, the thing about a convoy in the military is you're going from point A to point B. And see, you don't want to stop ever because if you stop, then you become a steel target, a target that is stopped and able to be attacked by the enemy. If you're moving, it's more difficult. So in a convoy, you really don't want to stop. However, as we got in this convoy, whatever the reason was at the front, which I wasn't there, the convoy stopped. So we're sitting there in a Hummer, and I'm in the passenger seat, and I have Marines in the back with rifles and so forth, and we stopped. Well, I looked over, and we're in this market area of Somalia. And as I was looking over there, I seen this open area that had a counter, and they had all this stuff hanging on strings. And Immediately, I kind of realized that it was, you know, some kind of food. It was big, kind of like a leg of lamb or, or something that was hanging on the ropes. But it was, every bit of it was black. And I'm going, who in the world would want to buy that? But one of the Somalians went up there to purchase whatever he was going to purchase. And the storekeeper took a stick and he hit the item that this person wanted to buy and all the flies came off of it. That's why it was black because it was absolutely covered with flies. 
And I was just going, holy snikes. He took a knife, he cut a big chunk out of that thing, and he wrapped it up, and they traded money, and off the Somalian went. Could you, could, could you imagine that? Can you imagine living in that kind of environment? That's normal in these kind of countries. I was floored. I was just going, wow. And of course, the first thing that came to my mind was, I can get in my car and I can drive through a drive-through McDonald's or whatever and get a nice, hot, toasty burger with fries and a shake. Just like that, instantly. And they're cutting meat off that the flies have already probably eaten for a week. And they're taking that home to their family to feed them. Now, you understand what I'm saying? Friday is great. Every Friday, every day in America is great. So I'm celebrating today. It's Friday because I worked hard all week. Hopefully I can spend a good time this weekend my family, my mom specifically, because she's here with me this weekend. Thank you, Jesus. And I'll have opportunity to spend time with my mom, which is great. But the point I'm making is America is America. Not because of the world, but because of the founding fathers that understood how the world is how evil the world is how evil man is that's how we got the constitution that's why these people fought tooth and nail against this tyranny called england to develop and create a environment called America. Don't care who you are. Don't care what your lifestyle is. But I will tell you what I do care about. If you, in your mind, think for a second, one moment, that America is not a good place, I will buy you a plane ticket to hell. And that's what you deserve. This is the greatest country that has ever existed. And we have become fat, dumb, and happy. And have raised children over the last 50 years that have no freaking clue of suffering other than the military people that went to protect your freaking Mercedes that you drive in New York. It boils my heart to understand how so many people in this country have now lost the patriotism and the understanding of what we actually have. I'm not saying the world's going to change overnight. What I am praying for to the Holy God is he forgives us and helps us as a nation to come back together.
into the truth of what life really is and get out of this tremendous confusion, this tremendous of utopia that these leftist people are infiltrating into this world. The world will never, ever be like America. It's impossible, will never happen to be able to cre create America across the globe because of the tyranny of all these other countries. They want us dead. Iran wants us dead. They say it over and over again. And look how they live. I'm hoping and I'm praying that I get the message out to you and you have the opportunity to talk to your grandkids and your kids and tell them the armed services of America overall has done more for peace and security than any politician has ever done for America. Yes, we've been sent overseas. We had to fight the wars. But I guarantee you, the power that we had, maybe not today, of the military kept the world at peace. They knew the freedoms we had, and they knew what we would do to defend it. Today, I don't know. I have to question that. Do we have the ability to actually defend America from these enemies, these evil tyrants across this globe, including NATO and the New World Order? All of these people are tyrants too. They don't care about anybody that's deplorable in their countries because the elites are connected together to have this power and this ability, thinking they're gods, to control what you think, how you think, what you say, what you do. But Americans don't think that way. What we actually do is we support and defend your ability to do and be whatever the hell you want to be. Whether we like it or not. That's America. My mother was born in 1944. Very young. Towards the end of the war. But by the time she come of age. Six, seven, eight. In the teenage years. She's seen with her eyeballs. The destruction of their country and what the power of America and the allies did to their country like that overnight. We didn't do that because we hated them. We didn't do that because they were bad people. We did that because they were taking freedom from everybody else. I hope you have an awesome, wonderful Friday. I'm not trying to get you down. I'm just telling you my experiences that I had in Somalia. 
And of course, I'm going to leave you with another great Cajun song to end the podcast. Please share it far and wide. Twizzler, Facebook, wherever. And you can find me on two major platforms now. Gitter and Truth Social. On Gitter, I am Minuteman Bud, the Patriot Cause. On Truth Social, I am The Patriot Cause, at The Patriot Cause, at Truth Social. And I also have a Rumble channel, The Patriot Cause, where I put videos up. So go check it out. Have an awesome, wonderful Friday night with your family, friends. Have a drink or two. And a wonderful, hopefully sunny, nice weekend to end this terrible five-day work thing that we have to do. And as you can tell, I'm excited because I worked very hard this week. And I'm going to take some time to relax and to to re-energize and get ready for, again, probably another hard week. Love every one of you, all your listeners. Thank you so much for sharing it. Have a wonderful weekend. This is The Gunny Out.